morning still. Uh, okay, this is our third in a series of uh, what we call not a fan. But first of all, I need to issue a warning. A warning that what comes up ahead around the corner, as in this today's sermon, uh, something very challenging, something really in your face. So unfortunately, we don't have seat belts. Otherwise, I would say, please fasten your seat belts. So, what must I do? I must read the scriptures. There are three accounts of this incident in the life of Jesus. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And although it's in the bulletin as Matthew, I want to read the account from Mark chapter 10. So please uh, turn or swipe your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. And I want to read from verse 17 till the end of the chapter. Mark is the earliest gospel to be written. Mark chapter 10. Okay, from verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the account of the rich young man, or in Luke 18, refers to him as a ruler. So I'm going to call him a rich young ruler. The account of this man with Jesus, the encounter that happened. So he was rich. He had possessions. He was young. He had promise. He was a ruler. He had power. He was healthy and he was wealthy because he was rich. He was young. He had possessions, promise, power, but he had a pressing problem. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life. In the account in Mark, as well as in Luke, it says the first words he used when he approached Jesus was, good teacher. What must I do to get eternal life? So, how are you going to answer this, rich young man? If this question were asked of you, and if you were Jesus, how would you answer this question? Would you say, rich young ruler, Wait a couple of years for me to die. Yes, die. I'm going to die for your sins. And three days later, I will come back to life. You just have to pray a sinner's prayer. Don't do, you know, don't, what must I do? Don't do, just be, just believe. And that's all. Oh, and I will go to heaven to prepare a place for you. And I'll come back probably a few thousand years later 
I'll come back and bring you and all your descendants who similarly believe, and I'm going to bring you all to heaven. Would you have answered this way? It's theologically John 3.16 sound. Also doctrinally very sound, but, but not Jesus. He didn't answer quite this way. In fact, Jesus began where the man was, where the rich young ruler was, and he tackled the first word, good. If you were to ask any man on the street now, are you good? I think practically all will say, I think I'm not bad, huh? I'm not bad. Actually, think about it. I'm quite good compared to all these other riffraffs. Uh, I'm quite good. And, and certainly, I'm no worse off than the, than the average Joe. And the rich young ruler was maybe like that, coming to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm quite good. I want to be gooder. I want to be better. I want to get, in fact, I want to get ahead in life. In fact, I want to be the first in line to enter eternal life. And Jesus cut to the chase and tackled one word. Only God is good because only God is sinless. He might even have reminded this rich young ruler of, don't you read the Psalms? In, in Psalm 53, verse 1, it tells you that there is no one who does good. No one. In Psalm 14, verse 1 also, they are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. And this is repeated for us in, in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 12. All have turned away, and they have together become use, worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And in verse 23, the famous verse, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, fall short of the goodness of God. Only God is good. And immediately from tackling this word good, Jesus turned to the law, to the commandments. And the rich young ruler asked, so which one? There, there are two views you can take about this rich young ruler. One was that he, he was just innocent, humble, of course, very rich, very young, very powerful, and just coming to Jesus for, for, for elaboration. Come, Jesus, give me some, some details. How do I get eternal life? So that's one view. <clears throat> the other view was a righteous, self-righteous fellow, and his attitude was sort of like, so, Jesus, which commands do you think I cannot hack? Bring it on. Maybe two views like that. And then Jesus gave him the commandments. Five don'ts, one do. Don't commit murder, adultery, steal, lie, defraud, and do honor your father and mother. Why did Jesus choose the six? Especially the don'ts, especially the five negative ones. Why? And let me suggest that all of us, all of us, we are sort of Pharisees by, by nature. We like negative commands. Do you like negative commands? Maybe you don't agree with me. Let me, let me go explain why. Because we, we like to know where the limits are. We all like to know the limits of our religious obligations. You talk about giving 10%, okay? Not a cent more. 10%, I've done it. You talk about worship, okay, once a week. Sunday, one and a half hours. I've done it. You talk about forgiving, okay, 70 times 7 equals 490, not one time more. 490 is all I would do to forgive. Because we prefer to ask like, God, when can I stop loving my neighbor? Rather than, God, how should I love my neighbor? We like to set these kind of boundaries. And, and the rich young ruler says, hey, all this, all this I have kept since I was a boy. It's no problem. So, what do I still lack? Bring it on, Jesus. But you know, why did Jesus point to the law? Why did he say, ah, saved by grace through faith? Why didn't he say, no, just believe in me and all will be, all will be well? Uh, you just believe in me so that you will not perish and have eternal life. Last week, Pastor Ji Ming talked about the hardest person to treat, as, as in medically, right? And so we all know the answer. It's not the doctor. 
right? It's the person who doesn't think that he's sick. And that's very difficult to treat. The hardest person to save, in fact, I would say impossible to save, is the person who doesn't think that he is a sinner. And that's why Jesus pointed to the law. Again, emphasized for us in the New Testament, Romans chapter 7, verse 7. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would, have not, I would not have known what coveting was if the law had not said, do not covet. Law points to our sinful self. And then what did the rich young ruler say to Jesus? He said, oh, this I have kept since I was boy. All the five don'ts, the one do, religiously, legalistically. So what do I still lack? And then Jesus wanted to show the true state of the rich young ruler's heart. How ungood he was. How unholy he was. How imperfect he was. How incomplete he was. But what Jesus left unsaid actually spoke louder than the five, the six commands that he said. You see, in the Ten Commandments, there are two tablets. Five of the commandments talked about relationship with God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of, in the form of anything in the heavens or on the earth or beneath in the waters below. Relationship with God. Then the negative commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, are man-to-man commandments. And this rich young ruler had a foreign object in his heart and he didn't know it. He had this idol in his heart and he didn't know it. That's what Jesus was pointing out to. And when he said, so what do I lack? I think almost quite flippantly, Jesus did this. Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. So coming back to the two possible scenarios for this rich young ruler, if he was just an innocent humble seeker, I think it would be quite easy for Jesus to look at him, look at him, look at him, and love him. But if he was this arrogant, young, rich, powerful man, and he tells Jesus, hey, so what else do I lack? Jesus still looked at him and loved him. Loving the unlovable. And Jesus cut through the doctrine, the legalism, right to the heart of the matter. And he went all the way into the rich young ruler's wallet. <clears throat> Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then he spoke. Very likely in a, in, in a tone like this. And he said, Young man, one thing you lack. Go, sell everything, and then give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And then come, follow me. Maybe in such a tone. At this, the man's face fell and he walked away sad because he had great wealth. And then Jesus looked around to his disciples and said, oh, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the first time, the disciples were amazed. Then Jesus laid it on, not even the rich now, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And the second, and then he, he, he said this thing about camel going through the eye of a needle. And the second time the disciples said, they were even more amazed. Jesus loved this rich young ruler. Jesus knew that he had this idol in his heart, looked at him, loved him, and said, young man, drastic action is, is needed because of this idol in your heart. And, and i got to give you some tough love. See, riches have become your idol. It's become so big in your heart that it, it is impossible to surrender. And it is sitting on the throne of your life. And you walk away sad because you have great wealth? No. It's because the great wealth had you. You are controlled by this great wealth. And my tough love demands that when you have an idol, you've got to smash it. You've got to burn it. Get rid of it. There is no compromise. Otherwise, it will eat you up on the inside like cancer. 
Young man, can you understand that? Matthew 24 verse 12 tells us that, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 1 John 3, 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So don't think that you've done pretty well, that you're not a sinner. When you're a sinner, it means you break the law. It means you're lawless. And what does that lead to? It leads to a heart that grows cold, 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 frozen, hardened. So, you think you have kept the law and therefore you're not a sinner? Wrong. Don't you know that it is impossible to keep the law in order to earn entry to heaven? Can't you see that you haven't kept the law? You haven't even kept the first one or the first two, that you are lawless, that your love has grown cold and that your heart is diseased. It's like some rich businessman invited to give a, a testimony and then he says, I have a fine family. Look at my family, my wife and my five children or whatever. I've got this big house that the Lord has blessed me with. I have a successful business. I have a great reputation at work. I've got plenty money, of money so that I'm supporting many Christian ministries very generously, if, you may, if I may add. And, and many organizations have invited me to sit on their board uh, of directors. I've got good health and, and I've got unlimited opportunities. What more can I ask of God? And one lone voice behind says, how about asking him for some humility? It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because rich people have no lack. Rich people are full. They are full, many times, they are full of themselves. And by the way, when you say, Jesus says that, uh, for, a, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, some commentators have said that, oh, it's not this needle, needle that we know. It's, it's some needle gate in, um, in Israel that you've got to remove everything from the camel's back and then the camel can still crawl through. Wrong. Okay, I've checked the commentaries that it was not referring, there's no such thing as such a gate in, in Israel. When Jesus was talking about eye of a needle, he means the needle that you and I know. And, and it's impossible. Impossible for a camel to enter the eye of, an, of, of a needle. But you know that it's not just the financially rich that can't get through the eye of a needle. Have you come across a poor person who's full of himself? I have, just last Tuesday. There is this ex-offender, someone who came out of prison, who comes to see me fairly regularly. He came to see me in December and then last Saturday, and then last Tuesday. He's got no money, he's got no job. Reasonably healthy, muscular, although with some tattoos, but very articulate in English, very articulate. And he never fails to remind me that uh, I helped him some years ago with, with a loan and that he returned that loan. Now, I cannot for the life of me remember that the loan was ever returned. But he said it was returned. Okay, so, okay, so you return. And then he will tell me that, you know, I'm not like those drug people, you know. I, I don't take drugs. I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm better than most ex-offenders. In fact, I've kept quite a clean record uh, for several years now. And, you know, I, I don't come to you all that often, right? But, hey, December, Saturday, Tuesday. And he says, you don't come to me that often asking for money. And, and he even quotes the Bible to me. He says, ask and you shall receive. Just last Tuesday. So, it's time for tough love. And I wish I had some profound line that, that like Jesus, I was able to just tackle it. But, but I just told him, so-and-so, bottom line today, I'm not going to give you any money. Certainly not in the hundreds that you're thinking about. No loans, no gift. If you're hungry, let's go for lunch. I'll buy you lunch. Then he said, ah, not just a little, a little will do. And then it was sort of from hundreds to down, 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 down to easy link cut. How about an EasyLink card? I said, three times in short order, you have come to visit me. You paid all the way, I don't know, by bus or MRT. You came here, you took all that time easily, two hours, to, to see me. Why don't you just take responsibility for yourself? You're a bachelor. You don't have a family to look after. You just got one mouth to feed. Why do you go around churches asking for money? Why can't you keep a job? Why do you always sack your boss? 
you just get angry at one job, you don't hold it very long, and then you sack your boss and you quit. So my prescription for him, please go to Clementi Mall. I know at least one restaurant down there that's asking for a kitchen helper, and they're willing to pay up to $1,200. Why don't you go there? If there isn't any there, go to Jam, okay? Or, or J-Cube or somewhere and get a job there where I see many advertisements for workers. Or I say, go to a halfway house. There's one down the road, uh, breakthrough. So I'm not like them. I'm not like them, he says. I said, you're destitute, right? You've got no place to live. Go to a destitute house. He said, that's not the place for me. I don't live with those kind of people. He could not see past his own superiority. He was financially poor, yet he was full of himself. A rich man cannot go through the eye of a needle. The rich young ruler cannot go through the eye of a needle. And this financially poor person also could not go through the eye of the needle. But what was Jesus' prescription? My prescription to this man was take responsibility for yourself, go get a job. Jesus' prescription for the rich young ruler was sell all, give all to the poor, then follow Jesus. And if I may add, Jesus had several other uh, teachings on this. And that is Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and, and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Further down, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And you cannot serve God and money. What is the lesson for us? Well, we might say, surely, surely Jesus did not command all of us to sell all of it and to give away all of it. After all, Nicodemus didn't sell everything and give everything away. He was in the, in the Sanhedrin. He was rich. Or, or Jairus, Jairus whose daughter Jesus healed. He was a ruler in the synagogue. Surely he was rich. Jesus did not ask him to sell all and give all away. Or even that woman with the expensive perfume. I'm sure she's got a stack more of uh, where it came from, perfume and other belongings. Jesus did not ask her to sell everything. Or Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus didn't ask him, but he did give halfway, but only half. Limit maybe is half. And surely you cannot earn entry into heaven by selling all and giving all. That goes against the full counsel of God from Revelations, from, from Genesis to Revelations. Maybe true. True, actually. Jesus did not command everybody that he met to sell all and give all away, but he did command this rich young ruler. Maybe we ought to reframe the question. It's not as, do I have to sell all and give all away in order to follow Jesus, but are you willing to? Are you willing to? Let me introduce this, this phrase. Only one will survive. You think my grammar is wrong, right? Only one will survive. It's, I don't want to say Chinese educator. <laughs> only one will survive. It's not wrong. The grammar is not wrong. Because only one will survive. It's your will or God's will. Which one survives? Matthew 7.21, a very scary verse, very scary verse, where Jesus now says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So is it God's will, the Father's will, or your will? Only one survives. If he is Lord, then is he the Lord of your net worth? Is he the Lord of your bank account? You cannot serve God and your bank account. And Jesus says, put your treasure in heaven, then your heart will follow it to heaven. There your heart will be also. And so, you don't get saved by selling everything and giving everything away and earn the right into heaven, but you do get saved when what holds you, you give up. And then you follow Jesus. So it's not about selling out and giving all. It's about, are you willing to? In your heart of hearts, if He is Lord, 
is he the Lord of your bank account? If that is where your treasure is, then he is not Lord of all. He is not Lord at all. All means all. Say, Jesus, why do you have to set the bar so high? I mean, it's impossible, right? The disciples were once amazed and second time very amazed that Jesus says it's impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. And then the classic statement, so like that, nah, who can be saved? That's what the disciples said. Like that, who can be saved? And then Jesus says this from verse 27, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter said to him, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one who has left home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive 100 times as much in this present age. In this present age, homes, and he repeats it, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, feels, and with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, last first. And this is where our memory verse uh, comes in today. We'll, we'll choose even the, the shorter one. Okay, Mark is a little bit long. Matthew 19, 26 is easier. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And the previous two weeks, also very simple. If anyone will come after me, deny himself, take up the cross daily, follow me. And last week, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. All very, very simple one. With man, it is impossible to be saved. Just as it is impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Just as it is impossible for a man full of himself, a rich man, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Just as it is impossible to sell all your possessions and then give it all away to the poor. Impossible. But the operative word in our memory verse is what? With God. With God, all things are possible. With Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's possible. There are many in the kingdom of God who have more than given up all their possessions. They've given their lives. Many martyrs throughout Christian history, they give not just their possessions, they give their very lives to honour God and to serve God. And you know this one, you give what you cannot keep to obtain that which you cannot lose, right? A martyr, Jib Elliot, who said that. They did not just come to church to, to sing and to raise your hands and to call out, Lord, 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 but they did the will of the Father in heaven. Perhaps your treasure is, is not really about money or possessions. You don't have a problem with that. You know, if, should the Lord says, sell it all and give it to the poor, that's a very good thing. I think, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. But maybe your treasure that's deep in your heart is your vocation, your children, your worldly reputation, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. These are the idols that are out of bounds to God. Don't send my children to the mission field. Don't even let them be full-time staff because I need them to earn a lot of money in order to support me in old age. That kind of a thinking. Don't touch my investment portfolio, my retirement account. And please don't call them idols. Not nice. Don't call them idols. They are simply unsurrenderable. They cannot be surrendered. Last Friday at the, at the cell group meeting, Towards the end, cell group leader says, Hey, Kofi, why don't you share with us, uh, like, giving up, uh, giving up your, your, your career and, and then to go full-time, what was it like uh, for you? Have you calculated the cost? And I say, well, give up career to go full-time. Uh, have I ever regretted it? Never. Lah. Okay. Have I ever calculated it? Yes. <laughs> Quite easy to calculate, okay? Between last drawn salary and present drawn salary times 13 years, 
quite easy to calculate. And then I also told them that actually when I switch off the light at night to sleep, my friend sleeps in a huge bungalow. Uh, I sleep where I sleep. Same. Same. Equally dark. It's got aircon. Okay. That one is unsurrenderable. It's the same. The same. So have I ever regretted it? No. Um, but actually, uh, I like to say that I, I possibly have given up my career twice. Actually, the first one was, to me, more important because it was God's honour. Well, my career is very, very important to me. It was, I wanted to be a jet fighter pilot. That's my dream. That's my dream. And to get paid a lot of money to fly a jet all over the place, isn't that the dream job? Right? To do something you, you love and get paid a lot for it at the same time. And it was my treasure, my idol. I was prepared to do anything to obtain that treasure. I was prepared to lie. And so, some of you would have heard the story many, many times before. Let me just repeat it. It's like when you fill up the forms, you know, all the medical examinations to be a pilot, when it comes to asthma, I say, no, I don't have. Uh, history of this, this everything was, was no. At that time, I rationalized it. It was kind of an inadvertent omission, but actually it was an intentional lie. So, no, 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 no. And then I got sent away to university to come back later on to be a pilot. With man, it was an impossible thing to give up. <laughs> a career, man. A career. It was how to give up because I've already gone so far. I've, I've perpetuated the life for at least four years. And so much was at stake. What was at stake? Court martial. Court martial. And not only that, they, they will they will ask me to return all the scholarship money. In those days, in the late 70s, six figures already in those days. Today is probably equivalent of a million dollars. It's impossible. Don't ask me to go there. But with God, all things are possible. So some people conscience are very easily touched. Mine took about three years. Finally, God says, you cannot do this. You're, you're a child of God. This is dishonorable. And towards the end of my, my university days in the church, the whole of Brunswick Parish Church, an Anglican church, prayed for me. My last Sunday there. And they prayed that I would do the honorable thing and God will give me strength and all that. So intercession makes the impossible possible. So the first thing I did when I landed, I went straight and I went to confess. So you could say, I, it was my own doing, ah, but I, I, I thought, okay, la, career be damned. <laughs> Forget it. I think honour of God, integrity is more important. So you could say, I left my career to follow Jesus, just as many, many disciples have left their homes or, or parents to, to serve God. But God gave it back. God gave it back a hundred times and more. In this age, He gave it back to me before I died. And then, after I die, eternal life. Is that what the Bible says? Exactly. Right? You've left your home, your, your possessions, and God is going to give you a hundred times more in this age. And then, in the age to come, eternal life. And so, I got everything back. I was promoted way ahead of my peers. Uh, I was promoted to, to major and a half colonel. In those days, to be promoted to uh, two years ahead of your contemporaries is like, it's like not heard of, okay? Not heard of. And then they give me the best jobs. It's, it's all very un, unusual. And I guess up to now, even now, my, uh, my contemporaries who, who retired two ranks lower, lower than me must be saying, uh, uh, must be really jealous. Kofi is not that good. Lah. Really, plus he's dishonest some more, you know? He's not, not that good. And his department head at 27. I got nothing to say. I just have one thing to say, but my God is that good. Okay? My God is that gracious. Liar, no liar. My God is that gracious and He is true to His word. You think you gave it up, but He returns it to you a hundred times more. With God, all things are possible and it's more than possible. It is more than we ask or imagine. Right? You all must know this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine. More than I imagine, more than I ask. Ever wondered what happened to this rich young ruler in the end? 
Well, perhaps he got richer. Certainly he got older. Perhaps he got ruler, as in he had more power. Perhaps he still felt that it was an impossible thing that the Lord Jesus asked of him. And that in that occasion, when he walked away sad, when his, his face fell, it continued to be sad. He continued to be sad. But there is speculation that the, the, this rich young ruler was actually Mark, uh, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark, some speculation. Uh, speculation that this guy might have been Barnabas. Barnabas who sold a field and laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet. Not all his fields, but sold uh, one field. These are just speculations. But if that were the case, Mark or Barnabas, hey, all things are possible. And the Lord blessed Mark and blessed Barnabas. They would have proven that, yeah, with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So, this afternoon, I don't want brothers and sisters here, don't walk away sad this afternoon. Sad because you have this unsurrenderable something in your heart that's actually eating you up alive. Something that's gripping you. Romans 12, the first one and two says, Therefore I urge you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Yes, we sing, we raise our hands, we close our eyes, we bask in God's love. That's an act of worship. But this one, to offer yourselves as living sacrifice, that is your spiritual act of worship. And verse 2, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve God's will. Your will, God's will. Want to test it? Want to approve it? What kind of a will is God's will? Good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, verse 2. And so God is calling out for living sacrifices. Are you willing to be that living sacrifice. Not a burnt sacrifice. Why living sacrifice? Because a living sacrifice can walk from where you are seated to the altar voluntarily. You can walk also out of this hall sad. I remember my, my first barbecue crab at my home. So we bought the crab from the market, all tied up. So I took the crab and I put it on the fire. And the fire burned the rope and the crab crawled away. <laughs> you want to be that crab? I think the crab walked away very happy, not like the rich young ruler. So I want to say that whatever it is that's got you, that holds you, maybe a lot of young people here, you may not have all the possessions in the world except your iPad, that is so precious, or your iPhone or whatever. Um, parents, your, your, your career aspirations, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it is, is all crap. It's all crap until it is surrendered to God, until you're able to place it on the altar. And then, when you place it on the altar, it's already sacrificed to God, you will receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields. And in the age to come, eternal life. Your natural mind will tell you that this is impossible. You're asking me now to sign a blank check to say that, Jesus, I'm willing to sell everything and give it all away. Impossible. How can anybody give so much to God. Your natural mind will tell you hundred times, come on Jesus, hundred times maybe there's more like an enticement rather than a promise. But your renewed mind will say yes. Your renewed mind will say yes, it is possible. Is it my will? Is it, is it God's will? God's will is good, pleasing, perfect. 
And not only that, it is a will that can be tested. Romans 12, 2. And then you will be able to test and approve God's will. What God's will is good, pleasing, perfect will. The, the sim, a similar theme runs through uh, Malachi, where, let me read to you verse uh, 10. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Impossible? Not impossible. Many have walked this road, not just possessions, sometimes a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and some have given up even marriage in order to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Some have given up possessions, and many have even given up their lives. And so God is asking you, are you willing? Is it your will? Is it God's will? To sell all, lay yourself totally, fully, unreservedly, serve God. I want to ponder over this as I invite the musicians to come. You know the, the hymn that was sung during the offering? Um, it was written by a rich man. A rich man, if you read the Not a Fan booklet. And he only wrote one song. I don't think he sold everything and gave it all up. But I think when the Lord anointed him for that one and only song that he's ever written, and that was a song, take time to be holy. What is holy? Holy is to be set apart. So place everything upon the altar before the Lord and make it holy that is already given to God. And then God gives it back to you a hundredfold. God gives it back to you value added with blessings that your storehouses cannot contain. Lay your treasures on the altar and that's where your heart will be also. Why don't we stand as we sing this song, Lord, I offer my life. stretch out our hands and open palm before the Lord even as we sing this. Offer our lives to God. Things in the past Things yet
invite you to the altar. Let's walk up here and leave leave our stuff. Leave our stuff here and see if the Lord might not bless you a hundredfold. If the Lord might not open up the floodgates of heaven and give you a blessings that your blessings that your storehouses cannot contain. Especially if you have something that is gripping your heart. Is it possessions and money and career and just your dreams for the future that is not surrenderable? God, please don't touch this one. This is my plan. This is my will. I'd like to ask you to surrender that. To surrender by a very physical act. To walk up to the altar. Open up our palms and surrender it to God. Impossible? No. With God, very possible. Very possible. And there will be such a freedom just to agree with God is truth. Knowledge of the truth will set you free. To agree with God that these are all very good things. Uh, uh, a fine career, excellent academics, uh, physical possessions, even my parents, uh, my brothers, sisters, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. But I want to surrender that to you. I want you to, to turn it holy. I want to set it apart for you. You want to do that? Come. Take a walk. Right to the altar. Open up your hands, your palms. Never, never be tight-fisted towards God. Open up. Open up. And let God take it and let God make it beautiful. Return it to you a hundredfold. Pour out blessings. Be free to be free of anything that holds us. Let's continue to be in this consecrated time of, of worship before the Lord, offering ourselves as living sacrifices before the Lord so that we might test and approve what God's will is for us, His good, pleasing, perfect will. I'm going to close in prayer and I encourage you to just spend a moment here with God. Open up your palms of your hands and offer it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, which sounds so demanding, even unreasonable, even impossible. But we know your heart, Lord. Your heart is love, kindness, grace, goodness, blessing. So we know that heart. It cannot be interpreted as an unreasonable demand. And Lord, we know that it is good for us. And so, by faith in a God who loves us and gave Himself for us, I offer. We offer our lives to You. We offer what is in our heart, the treasures in our heart. We want to place before You. So that where our treasure is, our heart will be also. Lord, take it. Make something beautiful of it. We receive by faith the blessings that will come with it, the hundredfold that will come with it. 
maybe in a very different form. I don't even know, Lord. Maybe exactly in the same form. But Lord, we know that you have a good, pleasing, and perfect will, and we lay it before you, and trust it to you, and know that it is the best for us. So thank you, our Father. Thank you that you love, and you love to the uttermost. And I want to love you too. And so, here's the offering. Take it. Make it holy. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Since in the past.